Well, hello, 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 everybody. It is time for the Outpouring Fellowship Podcast. Yes, it's the place for Jesus lovers who question the church. And we've got our good friend Stefan Olvera on, as promised. And we're going to be talking about deliverance and the Ecclesia today. Shalom, shalom, everyone. Caleb Meal here. It's, it's so good to be here. Matt, I don't know about you, but I, I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's one of the topics that it is becoming popular, but again, even still in our, in our church systems, no one really likes to talk about this particular topic. But so I'm really looking forward to it. Stefan, it is so great to have you again. Uh, we're glad that you could uh, make it on this week. Uh, yeah, so glad to be here, Matt and Caleb, and more than glad to get into to the topic um, at hand, by all means, with uh, Jesus' blessing, definitely. Awesome, awesome. Well, like I said, welcome, welcome everyone, for those who are listening uh, to Outpouring Fellowship Podcast. Uh, if you, uh, we, we changed our times to, uh, instead of doing it in the afternoon, uh, doing it in the mornings now, so please tune in live uh, as of now on rumble that's we're able to with matt and being able to uh have the opportunity to go live on that on this on this channel we're, we're very it's it's a blessing we're getting a lot of viewers that way so uh, please continue to tune in continue to subscribe comment you know give your thoughts what do you, you know we will we love to hear from the audience what do you what do you want us to talk about what do you want us to address to uh millennials because again we want to reach to millennials uh who love the jesus and even those who don't know we, we that's the, the whole, that's the whole point of this ministry but we want to uh reach out to people and talk about things we don't really talk about so anyway we're live on rumble and our recordings will be posted on our, our youtube channel please like and subscribe there uh are uh and then whatever pa- platform podcast platform you desire to listen to whether it be spotify uh apple or, or whatnot uh we're on true social at uh kale meal uh, that, that's my um profile um matt's tech uh underscore uh freedom and then i'm on instagram as well as uh, my our, my uh email uh uh meal at outlook.com and instagram at caleb underscore meal uh, you can reach Matt at uh, Telegram at Matthias 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 yes Matthias excuse me Matthias Matthias at seventy six and our um, a Proton email that you can reach both Matt and myself at outpouring underscore fellowship at proton dot me and the background music that we uh, really enjoy listening to in the background um, is uh, in, from Indie Folk Background Kale Productions so. We're grateful for that, and uh, yeah, it's great. So, welcome everyone. Now, All right. So, we've got uh, we've got a doozy of a topic today, don't we? Deliverance. Yeah, and of course, when most people when they hear that, think of the exorcist. <laughs> well, you know, exorcism is deliverance, but um, it does most of the time it's not going to be that dramatic. No. And if it is, you're doing it wrong. There <laughs> <laughs> um, shouldn't be but, at the point where people are turning their heads backwards all over, you know, you know, spewing green ectoplasm or whatever. No, 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 no. And, and we'll talk about that. Like for, for one thing, did, do we see that happening in the gospels? 
or in Acts when Jesus or one of the apostles casts a demon out? As far does as we he tell no? What do you mean like the movie? Uh, <laughs> not like the movie, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, it, did did he let the demons do whatever they wanted? No, no, no. And that's the thing where. It, it ties into what we've been talking about for a while in terms of making sure that we have our identity in place. Because when we have our identity in place, we can roll the way he did in terms of the Garrison Demoniac, for instance. This dude came at him literally as they were landing the boat. Right? Mm-hmm. And we need to we actually need to read the passage it's a yes. long passage so bear with us yes. but let's read it um matt did you want to read your translation or do you want me to read mine uh i got it okay go for it all right so mark 5 in the passion translation um, and a lot of people don't like the Passion Translation. I do, so we're, we're doing that. Okay. Um, they arrived at the other side of the lake at the region of the Gerasenes, or Gadarenes, either way. As Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard and confronted him. The man had been living there among the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. For every time they attempted to, to chain his hands and feet with shackles, he would snap the chains and break the shackles in pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. Day and night he could be found lurking in the cemetery or in the vicinity, shrieking and cutting himself with stones. When Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him, shouting at the top of his lungs, Leave me alone, Jesus, son of the most high God, swear in God's name you won't torture me. For Jesus had already said to him, Come out of that man, you demon spirit. So Jesus said to him, What's your name? Mob, he answered. They call me Mob because there are thousands of us in this body. He begged Jesus repeatedly to not expel them out of the region hit that later too. Um, nearby there was a large large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the demon horde immediately came out of the man and went into the pigs. This caused the herd to, ma- to rush madly down the steep slope and fall into the lake, drowning about 2,000 pigs. At this, the herdsmen ran to the nearby villages, telling everyone along the way what had happened, and the people came out to see for themselves. When they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man, or formerly demonized man, sitting there, properly clothed, and in his right mind. Seeing what had happened to the man, possessed by many demons, the people became afraid. Those who had witnessed this miracle reported the news to the people and included what had happened to the pigs. Then they asked Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, the man who had been set free from demons asked him, could I go with you? Jesus answered, no, but said to him, go back to your home and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. 
tell them how he had mercy on you. So the man left and went into the region of the Jordan and parts of Syria to tell everyone he met about what Jesus had done for him, and all the people marveled. Hallelujah. Quite the story, right? And, and quite the description of what, uh, what, like what took place. I mean, this was pretty, pretty well described for other uh, encounters that Jesus, you know, uh, um, passed out. But this one, this one was by far uh, the strongest and most uh, bizarre one. The fact that the people had, when they had to chain him, that he would even break the chains. And, but I, and then the fact that he's been like this for for who knows how long, and uh, and then all of a sudden when they when people come to see for themselves about this miracle, they see for what they all what they've been used to seeing a man, uh, tormented and just scary looking all of a sudden normal and right and what they say in my in my how it mind says right minded. In his right, in his right mind, clothed and in his right mind, like, and it wasn't like the demon tried to make it dramatic, right? He he bum rushed him, he bum rushed Jesus. He's like, I know who you are. Don't cast me out of the region. Come on, don't torture me. And Jesus is like, just shut up. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll have mercy on you. I shouldn't, but I'll have mercy on you. What, what do you want to do to stay here? Because these were territorial spirits that had invaded this man. Yeah. And in most translations, it's not mob, it's legion. Right. Which is reminiscent of the Romans who were in the region, right? The legions of Rome. Right, right. Which, <clears throat> at least the Jews, certainly saw as demonic. So, what is deliverance? Yes. Hey, Stefan, since we, we, we've been the ones talking, why don't, you, why don't you try answering that question? What is deliverance? Well, you know, it's very interesting. And if nobody minds, I was actually comparing the same story but found in the Gospel of Luke, I was looking to see if there was any other uh, clues or details that would also offer to answer that question as well. And I find interesting, again, I do have the Passion New Testament uh, translation as well, available here, right next to me. And one of the things that I noticed in Luke's uh, take on the story is that the evil spirits in Luke's version, they actually mention, and they, um, if I just quote it here, and it's within the verse, uh, so Luke chapter 8, verse 30. So within that, there's this quote where they say to Jesus, we beg you, don't banish us into the abyss, which is very interesting if you reference that elsewhere in the Bible scripture. but. When I think about deliverance and when I consider locations, the abyss, even in a nominal sense, even in a common 
uh, definition, we know that that is the very depths, the very bottom, let's say, geologically speaking, at the depths of the ocean, underneath the heaviness of the water, shall we say. And water tends to be associated with the uh, lack of order or chaos, uh, scripturally speaking, you know, Genesis, so on. The idea that the abyss is so far away from where humanity naturally lives, and is so far away from, say, the land that Adam was formed in, it really says a lot in terms of both deliverance and location that God himself you know, the one who created all life, regardless, you know, uh, whose side that life ended up on, because obviously these entities here were some kind of life at some point, and they fear the abyss, a place where they would be removed from humanity. That's why they were begging Jesus not to be sent there. It's a type of prison almost. Mm. But the idea of deliverance is that if we're talking about the man who, again, according to Luke, um, an interesting, in the Passion Translation, uh, a little bit different from Mark's account, it actually, in the verse, it looks like might be 26, somewhere in there. The word demonized is used in, in a verb sense. Yeah, he had been demonized for a long time and was living naked in a cemetery among the tombs. And a little earlier, he even says um, the many demons inside him had repeatedly thrown him into convulsions, breaking his shackles and driving him out of the town into the countryside. So if you combine Luke's account with Mark, you get like little extra details. It's quite right. interesting. So this man, I mean, talking about the need for deliverance. According to Luke, uh, the physician, if I remember correctly, is what Luke was known for. He had that kind of mindset, that kind of insight, you know, basically being a doctor of sorts, as, as we think of it today. That Luke was thinking about what this man was going through uh, physiologically, as far as symptoms and so on. Luke noted from that perspective that this man certainly had some major issues with convulsions and that's what broke the chain from Luke's point of view. It's very interesting because the need for deliverance is not some shallow request. It's not like we just have a whim one day and we think, well, you know, today I was hungry for that particular food of, of my liking and then today I want to be delivered. It doesn't work like that. Deliverance has a very important necessity. And according to Luke, this man was demonized for, let's just say, a, a long time, it appears, and had driven the man away from the town. So when we look at deliverance, we're looking really at the blessings and benefits of that deliverance. And it really says something about movies like The Exorcist, as was mentioned earlier, that people might be um, enamored so there might be some kind of admiration or some kind of desire to see the uh, targeted individual who might be thrown to convulsions and um, literally has no control over their body their will their soul so deliverance represents even at a basic level the return to humanity the return to god's image and likeness mm. uh, that goes back to genesis like, goes back to having a family, having a job, having a life. 
And uh, very clearly here, both in Mark and Luke's account, we see that having demons uh, literally blockades that from becoming a reality. So from what I'm able to initially uh, say here, in terms of what deliverance is, it's literally everything an individual would ever want. And demons uh, prevent that from happening. So there is a very real need to get rid of the kingdom of darkness, as some people would call it, and literally send them to the abyss, uh, away from demonizing any other targets, any other individuals. Um, not that I have this readily available in my hand, but I remember that scripture also in the Gospels, that if an individual is removed of one demon, but you know they don't have, they didn't make the effort to put God in themselves, you know, in the sense of a vessel like a cup. A cup is filled with water. You are also a vessel as a human being. What, what are you filled with? It's almost sounds right. like a commercial. What's in your wallet? And what's in your soul? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, that, that I love that definition. Uh, basically, coming back to humanity, coming back to the way that our Father intended us to live, living for Him and to glorify Him in our lives, have, uh, having a life, a family, uh, a, um, a job that you know that you glorify God through that job, and everything that the Lord desires for you, that, that benefits you, and then and then how and the demonic power holding that against you because the last thing that the, uh, that the enemy wants is to, for us to flourish in God's name. So I like that. I really do like that. Um, I, I had a thought as you were as you were talking about that. Um, I, I kind of lost it. Matt, do you have anything to add? What uh, uh, well, on the the passage that you alluded to, Stefan, it's it's a good one. Um, the the idea is that if you cast out a demon and you don't actually deal with the mess that they were clinging to, the uh, one of the one of the professors here at Fuller, Charles Kraft has an inner healing model that he, he calls Two Hours to Freedom. Um, which actually both my wife and I went through years ago. Um, but he calls like emotional damage, uh, baggage, sin, garbage. And the demons are rats. And the demons want to be where there's garbage because they live in the garbage, they eat the garbage, right? So you get rid of the garbage, the demon gets weaker. And that's the idea of sweeping out the house, right? Mm. But if you if you don't refill yourself with, say, the Holy Spirit after that, that demon will will have gone and wandered around and in waste places, you know, wilderness places, and gathered seven more, even more evil than himself and bring them back and you'll be in worse shape than you were to start with that that was the thought that i that i had it was on that passage because uh there's a there's a, a rabbi a, a messianic rabbi uh jonathan Kahn. you may have heard or may have not um but he had his new book return of the gods uh came out and i'm still reading it because it's the timing but one of the things that he addresses is uh, on that passage um that you know how you know how the enemy he has he has that certain strategy and it always works, he, but yet he'll use that same strategy in a different way. 
So how he how he entered through the land of Israel is a, is a different way that he would enter in the land of America. Any any nation that would you know glorify God, that's where the enemy attacks. So with with in in that with that passage, uh, the enemy can't use the same strategies uh, that he did for Israel. Now he's got to enter a different way in order to cor corrupt that nation that once stood for God, and then you know do a you know a change through uh, over time. Uh, and my point is with, with that passage that uh, if we if we kick you know the the enemy out, but again if we don't fill that nation the Holy Spirit, for one thing, we kicked him out, we kicked God out of our nation, and then look what entered. So if you're not feeling, if, if our nation's not glorifying God, who are we allowing in? And you wonder why we have all these issues in our schools, our government, every, everything that, you know, is that is, uh, that there's corruption or whatnot, is because we're not glorifying God. Not that sin, is, you know, is not going to exist, but, you know, what I'm saying is that when we allow God to do the change, that you know, people can flourish better. People can live uh, live better because He would be, you know, in control. You, we would give Him, you know, truly uh, be our true leader, as it were. So it's important that what what are we and our and our nation is a big um, example of needing deliverance. Big, big time, big time, and they're seeing that. God is waking up people, so, you know, so fast that they're realizing of what they have allowed into our nation and the the agendas that are going on, uh, and seeing the corruption in, a, in in our government in a in a huge way. That's not even funny anymore. And the fact that uh, Matt, when you when we you showed me videos of how you know what our kids are learning or not learning at all, oh. it I mean it's not like you said it's not even funny anymore. It's 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 disturbing that you can't even tell me what states there are. You can't even tell me what that you confuse a, a country with one of our states. I mean, it's that mind-boggling. I mean, no one should be um, excuse me. No one should be that stupid. But again, what did we allow in? What are we not you know teaching? What it, what, what we need to be teaching our kids the right things and you know mm -hmm. and putting getting and putting God back in the center of it all. So that God can continue to bless, and He wants to bless America. He wants to, but are we are we going to let Him in? And people are seeing that. So our nation is a big example of needing deliverance. Absolutely. I mean, it's, and I mean to to get back to, and you know, we we want to talk about deliverance in the context of ecclesia, right? Yes. Yes. Because that's the point yeah. of the podcast is to talk about Ecclesia, to help people understand what it is and why it should be how we're doing things. Yes. Um, because, you know, in a traditional church, most of the time, they're not even going to address this stuff. No. They can't. Um, because most of them don't have authority. Like, you, what's, what's one of the things that the, that the people said about Jesus when he would teach. That he speaks with great authority. Coming from a, a family of carpenters? What, like, where is he getting this, is this guy? Who is this man? They even said that with the disciples. That they said, oh, we know you've been with Jesus because we've never seen people like Jesus, you know, speaking with this kind of authority before. And you guys are, some of you are fishermen, some of you guys are the lowest of the low. 
and you speak with this great authority. And, that, and that's what we've been talking about through our podcast is the authority that we have and the identity that we have, not in ourselves, but in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is where our authority comes from. That's where our identity comes from. And, you know, all the, all the exorcism stuff in sort of Christian tradition, I'm not saying that there's nothing to it. But in many cases, it's almost become magical, which is not how it was supposed to be. That's not what we're trying to make it. No. It's called, what happened was over time, they've, they've experienced these power encounters with demons and went, oh, well, we need a special subset of priests to help deal with this. And it used to be, we're talking back 1500 years. Okay. Okay. That as a part of baptism, there was an, a basic exorcism. When someone would move from being uh, a catchman, being catechized, trained about, the, trained about the faith, okay? To actually being a part of the community. When, when an adult, especially, would get baptized, they would be exercised as, as a part of the process. And all the holy water, the crucifixes, the, the different prayers that, the, that these Catholic priests use were developed over the course of centuries. But they've become, at least from my somewhat ignorant, I'll admit, uh, standpoint, it's become a matter of depending on the prayers, depending on the holy water, depending on the crucifix, right? and not actually having authority in yourself because you have identity in Christ. It almost brings now, the focus away from Christ, you know? Mm-hmm. It becomes about, it, it becomes about the exorcist. Right. And there's... You know, you're, if you're going to walk in this sort of ministry, and every Christian should, shoot, in the third century, Tertullian, one of the church fathers, was like, look, if any Christian can't exercise a demon, then I wonder if they're really, if they're really saved. <laughs> like, it's a part of our inheritance mm. that has been stolen from us in large mm. part. Yeah. So we need to we need we need to do better. We need to figure this out. We need to get to it. And getting our identity, that's that's one of the big aspects of ecclesia that will actually help you walk that out. Yeah. Because we can. Because it's a small group. It's safe, at least in theory. <laughs> <laughs> one one it's minister, still human that, beings. One minister that I listened to that he me- mentioned about when it came to you know bringing deliverance or you know casting out that it should it never should be about the individual doing the casting out. That no, if anything, you should guys be doing this in teams in in like a small community. 
be going out together. It's because again, if you put, if it's just about the one person, that's just then you're putting that focus on the one person. So and we have to be careful of that. We always got to be careful of that. It's always should never be about the one individual doing the casting out. It's all of us. It's the family. It's the body going out together. Whether one's doing the casting out, maybe the ones after the casting out, maybe one is doing the evangelizing, doing the teaching, giving you know, giving that encouragement or whatnot. Everyone's working together. Everyone has something to contribute. Mm -hmm. So it's it, and it, it gets so e it gets so easily to uh, get uh, be trapped in that. So I I know you're thinking, Stefan. What's up? <laughs> um, actually, was looking through the uh, Bible version that I have in Luke, but um, it made me realize what Caleb was saying towards the end there. That uh, and correct me, Matt, was it uh, Paul? One of his letters where he mentioned something about that the walk, the life of a Christian, a true believer in Jesus is. Um, there's two things that I come to mind. One is like the athlete. The other is like a soldier. Right, right. And the idea that ties the two of them together is the discipline. That mm -hmm. and going to what you're saying, Caleb. Uh, also, you too, Matt. That um, the idea and you look at Paul himself, his missionary journeys in the Book of Acts, especially, or even the letters, where you see a little more, like the focused in details of the same topic, his journeys the different ecclesias he would reach out to but the point is that paul usually went with a second apostle or someone who was working in the uh, overall ecclesia body of christ at that time so um, later of course towards the end we see timothy and there was at least one other not in my silas barnabas, silas, barnabas john mark yet. John Mark. So um, right there from Paul himself, we have proof as to what uh, the topic is being stated here that you, it's like that other scripture in, in the Bible as well. And it might be in the Old Testament, interestingly, where, where two or more are gathered, the Lord is there. So uh, combine that with the other scripture that says that if you want to be uh, a leader, someone who um, is sort of the leading example, then you have to become the servant of all. Well, that kind of mindset, that kind of spirit right there, uh, already is suggesting very strongly, even almost commanding practically, that you have to go with more than just yourself, more than one. There has to be like two, three, um, a squad. I, I go back to that military, again, Paul's the one that brings it up in the scripture, the idea of discipline. But if you look at military, funny enough, you look at legion or mob as, you know, the very first um, chapter we opened up this topic with, uh, even on the enemy side, clearly they understand, the demons themselves, that they have to go in with more than just one. The whole idea of legion or mob is that right there. Well, how much more is that available to us, even at small numbers? Uh, and look at Gideon. Real, real quickly, more proof that God loves to work with more than one, but even then smaller numbers than we initially think, even at a military level. So how much more mm -hmm. at a ministry? Mm. And yeah, that's basically what I have to say on that specific. That's good. That's good. So, so yeah, and that, and I want to point out that Jesus had his ecclesia with him. He had the he had the twelve, right? Mm -hmm. Going into 
the the region of the of the Gerasenes, Gatherings. It, like it's kind of confusing actually, because <laughs> in different translations they pull from different textual traditions and call it different things. But it's the same area. It's the Decapolis, the ten cities on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, okay. which were Gentile, by the way. Right. That's why they were keeping pigs. Because a Jewish community wouldn't keep pigs. No. But, but yeah, and we don't see what the what the twelve were doing in in this process. Like, were Peter and James out running it running interference, trying to protect Jesus from this guy, or or what? And you got to remember, they just had a really rough night on the lake, right? That because literally the previous chapter ended with, G, or the previous chapter was basically Jesus stilling the storm, silencing the storm. They hadn't slept. <laughs> they were sailing, and and the enemy hit them with this chaotic storm. Not that it was completely out of the ordinary, because there are random storms on the Sea of Galilee, from what I understand. But it was there was more than just the natural situation. Otherwise, when Jesus stilled it, it wouldn't have worked the same way. I don't think if it, if there wasn't some demonic Influence. impetus behind it. Yeah. And and he had also just what healed Jairus' daughter right before that, and done a bunch of teaching and other healings. Jesus was tired; like he was trying to sleep in the boat, and the, the storm came up, and the disciples were like, "We're gonna drown!" You know, <laughs> Lord, don't you care? <laughs> He's like. Come on, you guys. You've been with me for how long now? <laughs> you know, um, if you go into the secular or, or so-called pagan or world history and you actually study um, any culture, but for the sake of the topic, let's just say the cultures around the time of Jesus or those uh, peoples, those uh, countries. Uh, you look at uh, what today we define as the Greeks uh, um, or even the Syrians or the... Uh, uh, people who lived in or near Judea, and of course mm. the Judeans themselves. Um, but if you look at the uh, imperial cultures at that time, whether it be uh, Rome, of course, at that moment, or the inherited one, Greece, uh, previously, and so on. Right, right. Um, you would actually note that, uh, and they've made plenty of movies on these cultures, but the point um, that I'm noticing is that uh, those uh, histories, those accounts, whatever you know, testimonies we have that have survived to now, um, you see that there's like these father figures. Uh, it could be actual fathers through actual sons, or just uh, again the military side of it. You know, uh, people who have to train soldiers and just make sure they survive. Well, interestingly, a good father figure. If you actually think about this, going back to what you said, Matt, about the storm that happened uh, before they got to the man from the garrison uh, with Legion or Mob, that a very clever and loving father, not just a loving father, but a wise father uh, or some father figure, 
will make sure to train his children or young men, young women, you know, depending on the culture, um, to give them tests and trials. Because this father figure knows if he sends his young ones, whoever they may be, bloodline related or otherwise, into the battlefield, physical warfare, let's say, they would die for lack of training. Mm. So when you see the disciples with Jesus and you see them going through storms on Galilee and mm. um, persecutions of various kinds, being ostracized, rejected by the powers that be, uh, famous viewpoints of the day, that's all part of the growing and testing. And I think too often people, and again, going back on topic of the ecclesia and removing of possession from people, you're not going to get to that point if you only drink the milk. There's another verse uh, right yeah. there of the yep. Yep. Got to get on strong meat. So, yeah. you know, just uh, put on the brakes for a moment and realize for our audience here specifically, you, you have to um, nurture yourself or let yourself be nurtured by the ecclesia, the body of Christ, ministers who um, just think of generations before you people who are older who have life experience uh, those who have life experience specifically saved in jesus or ministers who've been there they've gone to um, the places and spread jesus gospel they've been there with testimonies and removing demons uh, these people are far more likely to be able to uh, provide you wisdom knowledge again i go back to that parental figure i was mentioning and it ties back into identity which was mentioned earlier in this conversation and it's rather very important to actually note because here in mark with the account of legion mob the man uh jesus is the one speaking in the authority which elsewhere in the gospels we know it came from his father heaven mm -hmm. And we have access to that, yes. But identity, right? So two uh, verses that I found earlier. Uh, Matthew looks like chapter 12, and then going to be around verse 24. But when the Pharisees overheard what the people were saying, they said, he, of course, Jesus was who they were referring to, cast out demons by the power of Satan, the prince of demons. So then the next verses and so forth say, Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and motives. So he told them this parable. Any kingdom that fights against itself is reduced to ruins. And any family or community splintered by strife will fall apart. So Jesus is actually referencing, again, what I mentioned about the communities around Judea. So like this is common knowledge. It's very interesting that he pulls from this and it continues. So if Satan casts out Satan, he is making war on himself. How then could his, Satan's kingdom stand? So if Satan empowers me to cast out demons, who empowers your exorcists to cast them out with a question mark. Go ask them, let them be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the power of the spirit of God, in other words, the opposite side, then the end of Satan's kingdom has come. The end of Satan's kingdom has come. Mm. Now you can pair that back with Mark's account or even Luke, and you can see what was going on with Legion. You could say that 
in the case of that man, the capitalist, that region, that was the end of Satan's kingdom in that region mm. on that man. And Hallelujah. not to take too much longer, but again, identity is very important here. And it leads to demons being removed. I also see um, somewhere in here. Ah, yes. Okay, here we go. So now in... Okay, it's still Matthew chapter 12, but fast forwarding to verse 46. And this is very important for people to recognize. This is why I have to, you know, bring this up for the audience. While Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and brothers came and stood outside, asking for him to come out and speak with them. Then someone said, look, your mother and brothers are standing outside, wanting to have a word with you. But Jesus just looked at them and said, let me introduce you to my true mother and brothers. Then gesturing to the disciples gathered around him, he said, look closely, for this is my true family. I'm going to say this again for the sake of the audience and again, the Ecclesia topic. Then gesturing, this is Jesus doing this, to the disciples gathered around him. He said, look closely, for this is my true family. When you obey my heavenly father, that makes you a part of my true family. I'll repeat it. When you obey my heavenly father, that makes you a part of my true family. So in other words, we can ascertain or surmise from that logic that Jesus himself gives there at the end of uh, chapter 12 of Matthew that the man of the garrisons, the man who was possessed, had legion, the mob, uh, the reason he fell into that sort of assimilation of the abyss, shall we say, is because he was far away from God somehow. We're not told exactly the details, but it's quite evident that that was, in fact, the case. And it comes back to that very important topic of identity so that when you realize that it's like luke i'm going to you know give it back to one of you two when i say finish this one chapter 11 verse 24 and it appears that jesus is the one talking here when a demon is cast out of a person he goes to wander in a waterless no water realm searching for rest but finding no place to rest it says the demon in other words i will go back and reoccupy the body I left. The word in the Passion Translation is reoccupy. A military term, very interesting. Reoccupy the land in a sense. Going back to the quote, when it returns, it finds a person like a house swept clean and made tidy, but empty. And I just want to say this real quickly to the audience. People who get possessed are not necessarily because they're like um, messy or like unclean, unkept, like you would think. People who get possessed can be people who are clean. They yeah. are tidy. They appear to have their lives together. Mm -hmm. But an evil invader, a parasite of the spiritual dimensions, I would say, takes over them in spite of the cleanliness. And that should say something about trying to work our way to God. Does not protect an individual from being demonized, oppressed, or possessed by that logic. And continuing the quote, 
Then it goes and enlists seven demons more evil than itself, and they all enter and possess the person, leaving that one, that individual, that person, in a much worse state than before. And and real fast, identity again. While he was saying all this, Jesus was saying this, a woman shouted from the crowd, God bless the one who gave you birth and nursed you as a child. So then, yes, said Jesus, but God will bless all who listen to the word of God and carefully obey everything they hear. And that was my clothing there. My point is this, when we see people who are demonized, people who are in a very bad state and they have no more control of their minds or souls, it's because for some reason, whether of themselves or due to circumstances of them growing up, abuse, who knows, Lord knows, but they have been removed of their identity far away from God Almighty. So there's no chance or opportunity for obedience. Whatever um, way of life that they are obeying, shall we say, mm -hmm. has nothing to do with God. So I'm only bringing this up because it needs to be made very clear to people that when you see demonic possession, what you're really looking at are individual, um, you know, unfortunate souls really of uh, people who have for some reason been kept so far away from God that now the enemy, the true enemy, the devil, the evil one, whatever you want to define that evil side by, has taken over not only their body, but even their circumstances, their lives. And what the Ecclesia, the body of Christ, is really doing, how God uses us, generally speaking, is to bring those people back into freedom. Freedom, so like the right of choice, the right of, of thought, the right of free speech, if you actually think of it that way, no longer policed by the demonic state of the abyss, if that makes any sense. And that's what I have to be closing with, and I'll bring it back. Yeah, the, how you ended it, it kind of really leads into what we wanted to talk about, how um, how Ecclesia benefits that, how, how, it, well, how we're used by it. And uh, I love how you said that, how the Lord uses people because again he he doesn't need people he wants us he wants us to be a part of his uh plan his perfect plan and part of that is going forth and bringing that his light his hope to the lost and because and to show us that hey we are the evidence we are not we are nothing we are no better we come from all from different backgrounds we come from our faults our our baggage or whatnot and yet god still rescues, rescues us and we're the testimonies we are the witness of that chain that he has done through us and we want to bring that to the lost so that i love how the end of that 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 that's that's that is what we are called to do also benefits when it comes to ecclesia when it comes to gatherings and talking about this uh and it was from uh, my notes from uh, the from the, our ministry's boot camp of understanding ecclesia and the benefits of home gatherings well one of the reasons deliverance in a safe place and Matt, we've, we've talked about this too, and how, you know, uh, yeah, we, we see deliverance when it comes to, you know, audience and all that. Deliverance is there, absolutely. But what about if that person wants deliverance but doesn't want that kind of environment? But wants deliverance in a safe haven, in a family-like atmosphere, like what you were saying, um, what Jesus said to, you know, look at here, here's my true family. This is how we should be acting at treating Ecclesia, that this is our family. And that's what it is, that's what it should be. Mm -hmm. So with that safe haven, we want that environment for the people that want, that still are looking for some kind of deliverance, but in a safe place. And Ecclesia provides that because it's, it's when we're, when 
when we meet in a home gathering, there's intimacy, there's being real with each other, whether bringing our joy and our frustrations, and then um, practicing, one of the other ways is practicing our spiritual gifts, learning what, asking the Lord to reveal that so that we may practice them, exercise them, if you will, for lack of better words. But um, but the other is, is uh, deliverance in a safe place. Matt, go for it. And, you know, I would, I would nitpick a little bit with the term possession. I don't think that's an accurate term. In fact, it doesn't exist in the Bible. The, the Greek is, uh, the best way to translate it is demonization. And you used that term earlier, Stefan. It's not possession. They do not possess someone. They have influence on different levels, depending on how much the person has given them. And it could be something as simple as in the course of, you know, physical or verbal abuse, a, a kid cries out for protection and a demon answers. And they are comforted. They feel like they've been protected, but then they have this link that persists through the course of their life until they finally realize this is actually not a good thing. And then seeks deliverance because, and you know, you could not, you could materialize it. You could naturalize it a little bit in terms of some sort of maladjustment to use a psychological term. But ultimately all of these things, there's, there's a personal aspect to it that comes from outside the person originally they may start to identify with it such as in the case of someone who is abused and then chooses the, LB, the lgbt lifestyle and then becomes identified with it whether you know whatever stripe of that broken rainbow um but it's it's ultimately about resetting identity and making sure that each person is identified with Christ and in Christ and Christ in them and it's not that believers can't be demonized <laughs> oh boy there, there are some doozies out there yeah I mean to hit a common one for for men mm -hmm. there's lust right mm -hmm. that's probably the most common yes. coupled with anger at least in our society right <laughs> and it winds up becoming you you become known as a licentious lustful person you become known as an angry person. That's not who you are. That's how you've been, but that's not who you are, particularly not in Christ. So, you know, with that said, that's where deliverance comes in. That's where being in a safe, small group environment like an ecclesia comes in. And, you know, we don't know what all else happened or how much time elapsed in the story of the Gerasene Demoniac. 
like the way Mark tells it, it I mean, Mark tells everything like it's, you yeah. know, because uh, that's just Mark's style, possibly Peter's style, <laughs> which makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it's like there's not as much detail in Mark as in Matthew or Luke because it's not that wasn't his point. His point was to make it snappy, to get this to get the point across right. in, in with an economy of speech, with a. I mean, you've got to remember that most people at this point were not reading. So, and originally the Gospels were disseminated through speech. Right. It, they weren't written until some, some, some of them early, early second century. Like it was, it took time for yeah. things to for the stories to coalesce in ways that the Holy Spirit wanted it. Right. And all they had, down. And all they had as reference to the Messiah was the Torah and the prophets. That's all they had. Mm -hmm. And just, and the witness, then their witness testimony, the stories of their experience, and then seeing how it just compares with scripture all along. Yep. So, so yeah. Deliverance and when someone, as I was, as we said earlier, when when a community is walking in their identity, there's authority there, and we can tell the demon to shut up and not cause a scene, not destroy the person's dignity as they're being cast out. Hmm. It doesn't have to be an exorcist scene, right? No. It should be a relatively calm thing. It shouldn't be this big, flashy fireworks, you know, bombs going off in the, you know, in the spirit. That happens, but it doesn't have to be manifest in the natural. Hey, man, hey. hey. <coughs> uh, when you know, I'm available to chime in again. I have three points I can make to the audience real quickly that might help them, but only when it's time to do so. Go ahead. You're up. So I'm just looking again at Luke chapter 11, and I'll make sure to make this concise. This is definitely for the audience specifically. It's just to kind of help them understand where Jesus is coming from, the Bible, the Word of God is coming from. So this is verse 33, and it goes on from there. No one would think of lighting a lamp and then hiding it in the basement where no one would benefit. A lamp belongs on a lampstand where all who enter may see its light. So real fast there, the logic here, go back to the man of the garrisons, legion, mob, you know, oppressed man. Um, he didn't have that. He didn't have a light to ward off the demons. Mm -hmm. Almost in the video game logic, you think about it. But we're talking about Jesus specifically, the kingdom of God here. The eyes, continuing, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. So in other words, the man of the garrisons, he didn't have revelation. You know, He was living, living in doubts, living with a blindfold, if you want to think of it that way. 
as far as like his identity and so on and so forth. Continuing, when your heart is open, the light floods in. So in other words, the man who was demonized, his heart was shut, kind of like Pharaoh in the time of Moses, his heart was hardened. Some similarity there. Continuing, but when your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate, cannot penetrate, and darkness takes its place. Moving on, open your heart and consider my words. So Jesus is the one speaking here. Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. So it's possible by that logic that the man of the garrison was a very opinion-led man, or he was influenced by the opinions of other people. It's rather interesting. If your spirit burns with light, fully illuminated with no trace of darkness, you will be a shining lamp, reflecting rays of truth by the way you live. In other words, no lies. That was one topic. Here's the second one. Go fast. It keeps going. After Jesus finished saying these things, a Pharisee asked him to come for a meal at his home. When everyone had been seated at the table, the religious leader noticed that Jesus had not performed a cleansing ritual before he began eating. He was shocked. The Pharisee was shocked. The Lord said, you Pharisees are like those who were wiped clean. So in other words, to wash the vessel. You wiped clean only the outside of a cup or bowl, leaving the inside filthy. You are foolish to ignore the greed and wickedness within you. Shouldn't the one who cleans the outside also clean the inside? So the second um, fast topic here is that the man of the Gerasenes, and if you really think about this, the Pharisees in, in his lifetime were an influence. So it's possible this man of the Gerasenes understood the way of the Pharisees, understood the way of the Sadducees and so on, but that way did not prevent him from being demonized. So that's a fast topic number two. And here comes a third mm. one. And I'll keep this one real fast also. But it's just to make a point back to Mark chapter 5 and Luke as well. Account. In Acts 16, and just to give, you know, the audience one last idea of what's really going on here with the, the demonic realm specifically. Acts chapter 16, verse 16, it goes from there. One day, as we were going to, this is after Jesus had already resurrected, so on, so on, the apostles were busy, just to let the audience know. One day, as we were going to the house of prayer, we encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination, the spirit of Python. Python, the snake that constricts your body and squeezes the life force out of you. Think about that for a moment. She had earned great profits, in other words, big money, for her owners by being a fortune teller. She kept following us, the, you know, the one of the writers who were writing this account, shouting, these men, so she was shouting, these men are servants of the great high God, and they're telling us how to be saved. Day after day, she continued to do this until Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit indwelling in her, I command you in the name of Jesus, and here comes the authority of Jesus' name, the anointed one to come out of her now. At that very moment, the spirit came out of her. When her owners realized, here it comes, that their potential of making profit, making big money, had vanished, had been removed. They forcefully seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off to the city square to face the authorities. And my point is this, the reason why Christianity, not the religion, not man's uh, manufactured version of it, but the Christianity that is associated with Jesus, 
or quite simply everything Jesus ever said purely or his apostles continued after his resurrection it has to do with the removal the destruction shall we say or as that one uh, verse said earlier the end of Satan's kingdom if you think of it that way on individuals on men on women on, on boys and girls um, plenty of other you know accounts in the gospels of Jesus killing people of all ages from convulsing spirits again like Luke's accounts of Amanda Garrison the point is this the reason why you see persecution against those who follow what Jesus says are saved according to the cleansing power of Jesus blood over their sins and so on is because that persecution is actually protecting the demonization and the continuance of demonization onto individuals because going back to that chapter Luke 16 verse 16 so on that logic it makes big money to have demons do some kind of what appears to be fortune telling the future whatever that may be and make big money for that handlers so people often think oh this person has a demon or many demons uh, therefore they must be evil so people understandably tend to shun or remove themselves or uh, try to cast out the actual human being who's being demonized when in reality quite often it's the people who are facilitating the demonization they're encouraging it shall we say the ones who make the big money the, the money managers of demonization which is a whole other topic and requires another session but i just wanted to let the audience know those three topical points uh, that might help them understand better the man of the air scenes and some of the other verses we reference today. Yeah, good point, Stefan. Um, if it like with the Acts 16 situation, it's it's hilarious that it was like Paul let it go on for days and finally got fed up. He's like, you know what? I've had enough get out <laughs> like it was just kind of flip like you're on my last nerve go <laughs> like and that's the authority that we should have in Christ that we can do that and I would also uh, I would also remind us of Ephesians 6 remember the fight is not, not against, against flesh, flesh and, blood, and blood, but against the powers, the principalities, the rulers of this dark world. And yes, that's different layer, different levels of authority within the, within the demonic. Right. Not saying that we should be going directly after those necessarily. If I mean, if the Lord tells you to do it, do it. He's going to be with you. And you'll probably have a team around you to do it. Mm -hmm. But in terms of dealing with individuals who are demonized, who are dealing with demonic influence in their lives, that's where we can really step in. That's where we can help. That's, that's yeah, where that's, we can that's the whole used. point of this. That's where we can be used of God to affect major positive change in the yeah. life of a brother or sister. Or, for that matter, have our lives dramatically changed. Yeah, there you go. There because, you go. as we said earlier, it's very possible for a Christian to be demonized. 
Now they can't get to the core of us because Jesus is there. But they can, it, the more that we partner with them, the more that we are stuck in whatever the rut is, whether right. it be anger, whether it be lust, whether it be greed, whether it be pride in general, the more we give ground to them, the more we allow them to influence, the more we allow them as much control as they can get because they're, they're very opportunistic beings. And another point to be made is that, you know, for those who wish to go out and bring, you know, be, be used, and I'm talking for myself, and there are times the enemy will just put, you know, thoughts in my head. It's like, what are you, the struggles you deal with, Caleb, you have no, you have no business going out there. And that's the, that is the lie of the enemy to keep you from doing it. Because the lie is thinking that we have to have it all together in order to be out there to be, no, absolutely not. We need to be just what we were talking about. What, what do you, we're talking about, Stefan, being obedient. True family is the one, blessed are those who are obedient. And just go, go and follow the Lord's, you know, leading in obedience. And every, and our as we obey, he changes us. He changes us. He changes us. We don't have to have it figured all out. We don't have to have it all together. Oh no, none of us do. Because we, we ever will. But if, but if we have Jesus in the center, and we allow Him to direct us, He changes us. He molds us. We become overcomers. And it's not an easy process, but it's it, it will happen. It will. And we become Him in some way that's the process of the christian life it's moving away from obedience to the world to the devil to the to our sinful nature and into obedience to the ways of god to torah to you know fill in the positive right what we sh how we should be not to shoot on people but <laughs> But yeah, it's, so deliverance is about moving from one camp to the other. And salvate, like the Greek word for deliverance, for healing, for salvation, it's all the same word, sozo. It's all the same thing. <laughs> like, and there's no reason, there's no good reason for us to be ashamed of any of this stuff. Like, we all need greater freedom. We all need to move towards greater obedience to the Lord. All of us. Lord knows I'm not perfect. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... And I, I think that is probably, so let's, let's wrap it. I, I was kind of trying to land the plane a little bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's all about making sure that we are moving from, progressively from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Right. From obedience to, you know, the unholy trinity to the holy trinity.
And being in Ecclesia, being in close community is an absolute key to that. Because it's not just about rote memorization and just me mechanistically doing what we should do. Right, right. <laughs> that's not life. That's law. That's what Jesus fulfilled for us so that we can be saved, so that we can become one with him. And Amen. that, that is what this is all about. Yes. Hey, Matt, is there a little bit of time remaining to sneak in one final thing, or are we wrapping up at this one? Well, we'll give you, we'll give you last word and then we'll wrap. So this is for the audience specifically. I'm just reading Revelation chapter three, um, and I'm just going to highlight the main verses here. But this is just to let the audience know, yes, there is authority available with God. You don't have to fear the demons or, you know, think that you're somehow less than them. No, quite the contrary. So Laodicea, um, just going to read this right here. So this is Revelation chapter 3, and this is verse 17. Uh, so basically, this is addressed to Laodicea. For you claim I'm rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless and you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. By the way, similar to the man of the garrison, right? Kind of. So I constantly need to purchase gold, perfected by fire, so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. This is a passion translation. Purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see, not be blind anymore. All those I dearly love, I unmask and train. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. And here comes the best part. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice, so the voice of God, basically, and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you, and you will feast with me. And to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So clearly Jesus is the one talking there. The one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now to the churches. And, and I did, of course, spend much time in my life looking up the word churches. It is ecclesia in the Greek. So that is my final word to the audience to let you know through Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to think that the door to your heart, kingdom hearts for all you video game lovers out there, <laughs> uh, is shut to Jesus. No, no, it is open. So when the darkness comes in and surrounds you, and you've got the man of the garrison situation for yourself, or the girl from Act 16, don't fret, don't fear, don't dread. You have Jesus even there at that point. And he is, you know, sharing with you the conquering aspect of who he is his traits so you don't have to be uh, a loser anymore in the kingdom of darkness you don't have to be um without the ability to conquer the enemy of the spirits of the evil world anymore and that is the encouragement right there. that's my closure at that amen point. amen i love it amen I love and it. amen stefan thank you so much for uh joining us we're glad that you were able to uh come on and be a part of this again we uh we, we're always happy to have you here um but yeah uh 
and like I said, I, do we want to try to continue talking about this, Matt? Because uh, again, we can go we can go deeper and deeper with this. Do we want to do a part two? We certainly can, and yeah, I think we should. Mm. Um, because there's there's so much more to talk about, even just with the Garrison Demoniac, but um, and other situations where Jesus, you know, there was the the epileptic boy. There was. Uh, and we could broaden it even into just instances where we're told about Jesus healing somebody. Yes. Because usually there was demonic influence there too that was causing or helping to cause whatever ailment. Yes. But let's wrap. Yes, and hopefully, <laughs> and hopefully the next and the next podcast that we would do, we want because we want to bring testimonies. We want to bring the evidence that God is still delivering people from whatever it is so again guys thank you guys for joining on the podcast uh again uh you we have our contact information on the board please reach out for those who want to learn more or be discipled or you know or looking for fellowship and depending on where you are at um you can always reach out to our main email you can both reach to me and uh, matt and matt at outpouring underscore fellowship at proton.me my email at kalemeal at outlook.com we're on True Social. I'm on Instagram, and Matt is on uh, Telegram. Yep. Uh, and even um, I, and you know, like I said, uh, the 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 back the back our music uh, is from Indie Folk Background K Productions. We appreciate your music. And uh, yeah, uh, our next we'll we'll let you guys know what we plan to do for our next um, podcast. Do uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll bring out an announcement of what we're gonna do. Uh, we look forward to do uh, to meeting with you guys, uh, Lord uh, Lord Willem. Um, keep the faith and shine your light, and God bless. And Take care. be sure to be sure to subscribe and comment and like and all that good stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, that is it. And we will see you guys next time. Have a blessed day, guys. Take care. Jesus bless you, guys.